Hello, Text Talkers. Edwin here. I have a brief announcement before we get into the actual episode today. Andrew and I just want you to know that in order to make sure all episodes post on time and without missing any, we have to record these weeks in advance. That's why we don't talk about any current events, including the COVID-19 pandemic. Since we never know what the state of things will be on the day the episodes actually air, we just focus on the text we're talking about. However, we want you to know that we are obviously aware of the state our communities, country, and world is in. We are not ignoring or dismissing it. We are concerned. We are praying for you, for all our brothers and sisters, and for our fellow man in this difficult time. That being said, what better thing can we do while we and our families are practicing some social isolation than to talk about God's Word? So, keep us in your prayers, and we'll keep you in ours. And let's get today's episode started. Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. Fifteen minutes. Eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. His glory I will see. I will Welcome to the Text Talk Podcast. This episode we're looking at Acts chapter 10. Edwin, what are we reading today? I'm beginning in Acts chapter 10 and verse 1. We're going to read through verse 8. This is the English Standard Version. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. So new week, probably got some new listeners here today. Do you mind giving me a little background as what's led us up to this story about Cornelius? We appreciate all of our new listeners. In the last few episodes, we were talking through Acts chapter 9. In that chapter, we were looking at some different people in the church that uh, we were catching up with again. There was the dramatic conversion of Saul of Tarsus, uh, miracles recently that Peter had been performing, recorded for us at the end of Acts chapter 9. He healed a a brother who had been uh, stricken paralyzed named Aeneas. He had raised from the dead Tabitha uh, in the city of Joppa. And so he had uh, been geographically walking towards Joppa and the sea, not too far of a distance from Caesarea. Is that what we're talking about? (laughs) (laughs) No, I was just going to let you talk for 15 minutes until we were done. I was hoping you would just take over and just go. Well, you know, there is a there's certainly a break in a break in the story, a break in the action, if you will. We have been following Peter. While attention was made in the last couple of chapters in Acts eight and Acts nine with the persecution that brings about the chief persecutor's conversion, Saul of Tarsus. It's a little bit, well, what's going on with Peter? He was he was a major figure in the earlier chapters. We've gotten back to him in the eighth chapter, saying that he is still uh, traveling among Judea and Samaria. Uh, He is preaching the gospel. People are being converted. He's performing miracles, laying his hands on new believers, imparting gifts of the Holy Spirit. Peter's back in our view. 
And after performing these two miracles that demonstrate that he is still with God, he is still an apostle, we can still listen and heed what he's saying. We're about to have a colossal shift. The gospel is about to go to Gentiles. What a shocking thing that would have been for all of the Jewish Christians. Luke recognizes how shocking it would be. That's why he has gone through all of this setup work to get us to this point as he showed us a Samaritan being converted, a proselyte being converted, and a persecutor an enemy of the kingdom being converted. And now we're going to find a Gentile being converted. But I think it's important to recognize that he's going to be converted. He had to be converted just like everyone else that we've had up to this point has to be converted. And yet in verse two, he was called a devout man who feared God. He gave alms generously to the people. He prayed continually to God. Here's a person that when we talk about being moral, Right. When we talk about being good, this is a good man. He does good things. He does religious things. He's he's even spiritual. He's a spiritual man. And yet, what does he still need? Mm. The gospel. Absolutely needs the gospel. A savior. I appreciate the contrast there because when you look at, say, a Saul of Tarsus, here's a man who is a blasphemer. He identifies himself that way, a chief of sinners. That's a fellow that understands, I need a savior. I need to make a change. Um, sincere, and, and sincere in all he was doing, but sincerely wrong. Here we see a man sincere, but doing very good things. Nothing's contrary. You know, and in highlighting that he gave alms to the people, uh, my understanding is that's that's a nod to the people being the Jewish people, right? Sure. Uh, And so here is a Gentile man and uh, leader of the Romans, occupation force. Okay, there there's could be certainly a a uh, a social issue coming up here, and that here is a fellow that's one of the persecutors uh, of the Jewish people, or at least would be seen that way, one of the oppressors. Um, but but he is a man who is mindful of the true God, Yahweh. He is mindful of God's people, the Jews, uh, who are being at least occupied by Roman powers at this time. And we also notice the connection about giving alms to the people and praying continually to God. Remember, what are the two greatest commands? Mm, love, love God. God. Love your neighbor. Neighbor. Here's a fellow that seems to be doing both of those things. He loves God. He's praying. He's devout. He's he's a God-fearer among the Gentiles, though he had not become a Jew. He had not... And that's that's one of those kind of technical terms. The God fears among the Gentiles were the Gentiles who gave respect to Yahweh, but did not commit to Judaism, did not go through the circumcision, did not go through the rites that would proselytize them as Jews. So he was a God-fearer among the Gentiles. Loves God, loves his neighbor, but he still needs the gospel. He's still lost. This is so important for us to grasp because Christianity is not moralism. We, we kind of hit on this, I, I think it was last week, I'm trying to remember now, some of the, some of the things that we've talked about have run together, but we, we talked um, last week or a couple of weeks ago about the idea of the preaching that went on. I, I guess it would have been back in Acts chapter 8, so we're looking at two weeks ago. In Acts chapter 8, where they uh, preached the word and they preached Christ, and, right, and yeah. a couple of things we hit on on those days mm-hmm. were, were the idea that we're not about, it's not about self-help, it's not about philosophy, right. it's not about pop psychology, it's not about all of those things, because 
When, when you just do philosophy and pop psychology and cultural mandates, you end up with a good man like this. You've right. got a guy who's doing good things, who, who gives alms to yeah. the poor and the needy, who does have some prayers and have some spirituality about himself. And yet what we need is Jesus Christ. What we need is the word. What we need is the gospel. If we are not careful, we end up propagating a teaching that does not even need Jesus Christ. Wow. And, and this, is, this is disconcerting because it can happen so subtly. The reality is, Andrew, there are Muslims that have decent marriages, yeah. that have good retirements set up, mm-hmm. that are running good businesses and have their finances in order. There are atheists that have decent right. marriages as far as just being able to get along. I, I, who are I, altruistic, who toward, are their altruistic fellow man. toward their fellow man. Yes, who, who, who have their finances set in order. And if we're not careful, we end up propagating all of those things, the self-help kind of things, the books that you the can charity. find at Barnes & Noble. Yeah. And we end up not having what takes Jesus. And what takes Jesus is salvation. We can be busy in charity and we don't need Jesus. We can get together with Muslims and Wiccans and Buddhists and atheists and skeptics. And we can do the charity, but that's not salvation. We can get together with Muslims and Buddhists and Wiccans. And we can talk about being a nicer person and managing your money better and, and doing better on the job and treating your spouse better and raising your kids to be nice, decent people. And we don't have to have Jesus for all of that. And while it's good to have common ground with people and build on those things, um, yeah, we need a Savior. If Cornelius has moves on in, in his current, you know, he ignores the angel. Uh, he's just as lost as he ever was. Here, here is a, an interesting, I guess, reversal. We meet a person that looks a lot like Cornelius in the Gospels. I don't know his name, but we usually call him a rich young ruler. And what that fellow can say to Jesus without blinking an eye is, I have kept all of the law from my youth. What do I lack? The Lord tells him, you lack one thing, sell all that you have, come and follow me. You, you know, he goes away sorrowful. Here's a fellow who's so moral and so righteous, but when he hears, okay, so what I need is Jesus and following Jesus, he can't go there. He can't do that. He couldn't leave all to follow Jesus. You know, what? what's interesting is I think even a lot of people hearing that story think that the key was selling all the stuff and giving it to the poor. The reality is folks can sell everything and give it to the poor and still not have Jesus. It was sell everything and and follow, follow me. me right you need to follow me and there was something that was coming between him and following jesus and that's why he needed to sell it again when i become a christian is it going to change things about me yes when i become a christian Dep- is it- depending on how far you are from god or the morality taught in scripture some change is going to be greater than other change yes but what i need is Jesus. What yes. I need is a Savior. What I need is a Lord and a Redeemer. And that's the thing we've got to make sure that we're teaching here. Here was a good man. He didn't need a class in finances. He didn't need a class in in, in being nice to his neighbor. He, he didn't even need a class in honoring and respecting God. What he needed was to understand he's a sinner that needs a Savior and that Jesus Christ is that Savior. So is it harder to persuade a good man and a religious man that he needs a Savior than someone who would say a reprobate sinner? 
you know, down in the gutter, they need a savior. I think it probably is. Maybe it's going to depend on the person. You know, Peter seemed to have an easy time with Cornelius, but there was some background on this that maybe helped Cornelius along. I, I think about the folks I've talked to. Uh, I, I've known folks who are in the world that have misunderstood when they've heard me preach sermons as I talk about sinners in the world versus those who are in the church. And this is where I have to understand how people are hearing, because what they have heard me saying is folks in the church are all wonderful and amazing and folks out in the world are just sinners. And and the response is, well, I try to be the best kind of person I can be. And I want to say, yeah, so do I. But what I realized is that my best is not good enough to save me what I need as a savior. And I get it. You're a good person. You've tried to do right. You haven't killed people. You don't steal things. You try to be nice to folks. You try to give to folks who are in need. But how good do you have to be to be saved without obeying the gospel? Perfect. Perfect. And none of us have been perfect. I think it is tough for folks who are decent, good, as men would judge goodness, to say, I need a savior. Boy, what a humbling statement that it is that, look, I am not good enough to save me. I need a savior. And and that's the shift. I'm, I'm concerned that perhaps Christians look at some people who, you know, their, their life is given over to sin, reprobate sinners. And there is a prejudgment there that says, well, talking to them is not going to make any difference. They don't want it. They're pursuing this other way. And yet at the same time, Christians will psych themselves out by looking at people who have their life all together. Well, why would I bother them? They've already made their decisions. Life's working out fine for them. Maybe if they have a crisis, they'll be interested in religion. I I need to be there for them in their crisis moment. The angel doesn't appear to Cornelius in the crisis moment, right? He doesn't have to be wait to be broken to see his need for a savior. He just needs to be told You are remembered by God. God has something for you. Send for this preacher who will bring it. And maybe this goes back to answering the question you were asking a minute ago. Maybe it's what you were trying to get at all along. And that is, we ask the question, who is more likely to respond? Maybe the question we need to be asking is, who's right here that I can talk to? Who's near to me now? (laughs) And I need to talk to them and leave their response between them and God. I think that's a good lesson. (laughs) I think that's the lesson. I need some courage for that lesson. So would you pray for us? Our great God and Father, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you that we've been able to open up Acts chapter 10 together and be reminded, Father, of ways that you worked. Uh, in amazing new ways to bring the word of God to Gentiles to see the truth of the fulfillment of the promise that Jesus Christ blesses all the nations. And Cornelius is, is the first name in these nations reached with your word. And yet, Father, it is a powerful example for us today that while we want to be good and moral people, what we need is a Savior, Jesus Christ. And it is that name and that message that we need to share with all people, wherever they be in their circumstances and ways of life today. Give us courage to do that and to walk with you faithfully for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians Who Meet on Livingston Avenue this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge wrote and sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so others can learn about it more easily. Have a great day.